welcome to the next episode of the True Turf Super Series. I hope wherever you are in the world, uh, things are going well as seasons change in the northern and the southern hemispheres. Um, gives me great pleasure to introduce John Riley, who's the Director of Agronomy for the Longboat Key Club uh, in Florida. Uh, John, welcome along to this episode of the True Turf Super Series. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. I'm going to call you Super Nick since we're here in the Super Series. So. Excellent. I didn't bring my cape today, but I'll make sure I have one for the next the next episode. Well, speaking of Super, you know, you're the Director of Agronomy at the Longboat Key Club. Tell us about your journey in turf. Um, well, I come from a, a, fa- a, golf fam- a golf family or a golf-loving family, and um, mm-hmm. most of my, uh, my father and my brothers when I was growing up were caddies, and uh, I did... I did that as well, and uh, I didn't have the greatest uh, connection to authority. So when I would look around the golf course, um, you know, especially when I was a young kid breaking in, they didn't have um, ball pickers. So you got a bag and a helmet, and these guys would fire hosel rockets at you. And uh, I would see these gentlemen in the you know, out there and the freewheeling it on a machine. And so uh, when I got old enough, I, I talked to a, a good friend of mine who I talked to yesterday, who's a kind of a giant in the industry, Armin Suni, who's a, a big uh, headhunter in the, in the States here for uh, general managers and superintendents, at usually high-end places. And Armin was a young man who was a superintendent, and I talked him into getting on the crew. And yeah. I worked as a... As a uh, as a crew member through uh, the end of, I was 13, so I probably wasn't allowed to work, but uh, through high school, college, uh, graduate school, and uh, even in whenever I had a whole different career. And when I had that career, I always had a, a part-time job so I could play golf. And it was usually walk mowing greens or bunkers. So uh, daily maintenance was something that was sort of my sled into uh, the business, and I always loved it. But in my family, uh, we were a blue-collar family, and all of us went to college. And then, like I said, I had a master's degree in psychology. and So it wasn't something that was expected of me to go into school for uh, mowing grass, which was yeah. kind of a misnomer, but that's sort of where it came from in, in, in my family. So uh, I had a break in my life where I, I got divorced and uh I sort of rethought things, and I went right back to being a maintenance guy uh, in Florida, uh, a little bit north of here, but on the West Coast. And I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't the grass is greener mm-hmm. on the other side. And then uh, my brother-in-law is uh, is a golf course superintendent as well, and uh, he owes me his whole life because I introduced him to my sister. So uh, he got his first soup job, and I uh, went to work with him. I just went through the the natural progression of being a golf course superintendent just a little later in life. Um, Mm -hmm. And at at one point I tried being a general manager for a management company that we work for. And and I kind of always gravitated as a caddy, always gravitated as a GM to to the turf side. It's just Mm -hmm. something that I love to do. And uh, so I went to Rutgers for turf school a little bit later in life and, uh, and I, my first job out of turf school, I was very fortunate to intern at a really good place in Naples, Florida, for mm-hmm. Darren Davis, who used to be uh, the president of the Golf Course Superintendents Association. And then um, right out of the box, um, I had a job at a, a tour course called Innisbrook, 
um, which is yep. a, a resort also on the west coast of Florida here. And my course was Copperhead, which was just is just a great golf course. And Absolutely. It's a great test on the tour. Um, it always holds up to par. Uh, when I was starting there, we had a an event where there were men and ladies played together. It was called the mm-hmm. J.C. Penny Classic. And then it transitioned into a, a tour stop, which is now kind of in the Florida swing. And that's when I got my first chance to sort of work on uh, renovation. Yep. And that became my true love. And fl- at that point in the turn of the century, which is kind of crazy to say, <laughs> but in uh, Florida was exploding with golf development. Mm-hmm. So for 10 years, I went to the center of the state um, around the Orlando area and I built a lot of golf courses and the last course that I built, um, was a course with core and Crenshaw. So it was, it was this reintroduction to where I came from, which was outside of the Philadelphia area where there was so many great golf courses and so much architecture. And so I think the game and the, and the industry and everything sort of take, took me full circle. And, uh, unfortunately, at that time, that course didn't, um, there was a housing disruption in 2006 and the course eventually closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fortunate enough to get here to uh, Longboat Key and uh, they needed a lot of help in the renovation area and they were changing to this um, kind of niche grass called Pass Palum. And mm-hmm. uh, I got a chance to, to do that over 45 holes and it's been a, a really great experience. Um, I didn't want any part of it. I really came here thinking that I could handle uh, the, uh, as a, do we call it the cooch in uh, Australia? Cooch grass, yeah, the Bermuda. Yes. Yeah, cooch grass is what we call it here in Australia, yeah. Yeah, so I had two guys that I uh, worked with um, from Australia that were through the uh, Ohio State program mm-hmm. when I was at Innisbrook. So we had we had a good old time renovating. Uh, we were one of the first clubs in that area to go to Tiff Eagle okay. um, when we uh, Copperhead. So we came here, and uh, I was I, I felt like uh, a really good Bermuda grass grower, and uh, I thought that this course was built in Bermuda grass. So, um, but this is a special place, and the amount of salts that we have, it just it didn't always make it through or the turf wasn't always in good mm-hmm. shape. And so it's a, t- it's a beautiful place. It has high expectations. So past pound became the grass and uh, it took a little bit of time because a lot of my mistakes early on were uh, using my, Bermuda, my Bermuda grass background. And um, it's just a whole different language. And yeah. uh, so on this 13 year ride, we're, we're fully platinum past Palum. And uh, one of the things that I always kind of hung my hat on were fast greens and, and well-performing greens. So uh, that was one thing that was always against past Palum grass, that it was kind of sticky and slow mm-hmm. and bumpy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it took a little bit of time and uh, that's my little journey in a nutshell. Yeah, that sounds, uh, it's a sounds like a great journey. And it's really interesting, I suppose, you touch on that psychology degree that you, you had originally. Um, probably plays some good good, good uh, points in play for team management and all those other things that you've got to do as part of your job as well. It's not only yeah. just managing the grass, but it's managing the people that you've got uh, on your team as well. Right. Sometimes that's, that's definitely uh, the bigger part of the mix, and I know everybody that's listening to this knows that as well. Um, having a psychology degree doesn't necessarily make you better at that, but it sort of makes you have a little insight here and there mm. and uh, – 
and and it was just something that that uh, kind of came naturally to me. So I do, I do love the fact that uh, you know I have a good relationship where, wherever I've been with the people yep. that I work for. Me. So yeah. I, and I I do thank my background and my education and my family uh, for those types of uh, yep. just tendencies that I have. It comes naturally for me. Yeah, that's that's nice. So the Longboat Key Club, tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little bit about it. You touched on it. There's uh, I think 45 holes there at the course, uh, member facility, uh, and as you say, it's uh, located right next to the the ocean. So there's a lot of prevailing conditions, I'm sure, that are coming into play. Uh, it's so it's so beautiful this place. Um, it's it's west of Sarasota, um, so it's sort of mid. Uh, Florida. It's not necessarily as south as what people know as the Keys from mm. from outside, but it's it's a it's an island that's west of a city, so it's a key to the to the state. Um, and it's just uh, a fabulous place, and it has a, a a resort component. So it was it was good for me coming from the Innisbrook uh, days. Uh, but it's mainly a private club, especially when it comes to golf. About. Uh, 8% of our play comes from staying at the resort. So mm-hmm. 92% of our play comes from, from membership play. And it's been really great ride for me. I've seen um, the place was, you know, it wasn't a place people wanted to, uh, to come and work. It was a place where guys like me ended up going into sales or something along those lines because mm-hmm. the salts and the conditions were very, very trying. So I, I, I'm fortunate to have crossed that bridge and to have the right turf type. And right now, uh, you know, it's, it's as good as it gets. And it's of course there's 27 hole facility that uh, sits on the Sarasota Bay or Sarah Bay. And then 18 holes that sit on the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, there's just a two lane road in between and and you get to see the golf course uh, from the road. I love that. Uh, It's not hidden. It's not behind a gate. It's uh it's right there, and it's kind of the logo for the town. Even if you're not a member, you know, as as the course goes, so does the town. And the town is uh, probably at a height, which I would have never expected. But uh, what we've gone through in the last couple of years has, has been interesting, staggering, but it's it's been a, a wonderful sort of uh, burst and boost for golf. And mm-hmm. uh if, if I told you what they were getting in a membership, I, I, I'm, it's staggering, you know, right. so it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing that that exists and that, and there doesn't seem to be like, you know, we need to pump the brakes or we need to worry about it. People just want to play golf and they're retiring in groves and they're coming down here to Florida and, uh, and we're happy to have them. We have a great membership, a lot of good players. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's, it's everything you'd want and kind of, think about if you were going to draw it up so it's it's yeah. neat because it, when i came it wasn't like that you know um, mm-hmm. well that's obviously pretty- a reflection on what you and the team have done to to lift the course and and go through the changes and and it is a wonderful time in golf around the world at the moment where um people are out playing and playing in their droves and and long may that continue yes i'm in yeah, good. <laughs> I, um, when I was doing a bit of research on you the other day, I came across a, a comment from you, which I suppose is obviously very, very key to your philosophies. But plant health is the first box you check when you're looking at the the health and maintenance of your your golf course. Can you just talk us through a little bit of that, please? Yeah, um, I came from a, a, tr- a, a sort of time where you sort of 
pushed turf to the edge and um and you lived on that like uh you know this precipice of doom and and greatness and that's that's where you wanted it all the time or you weren't good or when things were really good that's when you beat it up that's when you put a hole in it that's when you pull the core and um then i get this grass and it's sort of counterintuitive. You know, I start to rip it up. I start to airify it. I start to verticut it hard. And it doesn't respond that well to it. And so I'm trying to get to another place. And I don't know exactly sort of where the light went off, but it just became this thing where the better, the, the more healthy we were on top, um, and, and really, you know, when I went to Rutgers, my specialty was soil science, and I was always chasing the most balanced soil, the base saturation correctly, everything in solution the way it was. And and, and especially with this grass, it didn't necessarily translate to, to good, healthy turf. Um, good, healthy turf really translate what came from doing less equals more. And uh, I had to do find better ways of doing that. And, and it's really gone full circle. Like I was not a stint meter guy. And mm -hmm. uh, today we roll five greens. We have basically five nines. So in the morning, which is very unusual for anyone who does what we do, we roll a section that we always know will, will give us a good, easy, uh, legitimate stint in both directions. And then we make a decision on what we're going to do that day based on the rounds and here it is 45 holes it's mostly member play so there's a sort of unique matriculation between where people will play today was ladies day and it was at harborside which is the 27 hole course but also there was some play on the 18 hole course from the nine hole ladies so we have standards that we've developed over time and and using the metrics that we use on a daily basis and even when you think about all of that stuff, it's really just the fact that we do it. And then after yep. we make that decision, we're always checking moisture and we're always checking firmness. And, and, and so this thing that happened and I was in this place where, where, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a hundred percent all in, you know, I just get me to summer, let me tear the place up and let me, let me put it back. Like I used to do it in the old days. And, and it just was a square peg in a round hole with the grass that I have. And I went to this, um, you know, there's a magazine in this, in the States called Gotham and, um, they have this, um, gathering and I didn't really understand what it was, but it's kind of like buying a condo. Like, they invite superintendents to this resort, which was in Florida, so it wasn't a big trip for me. But then you go around and you, and you meet all these vendors, mm. and you know that that was good for me because it's this is a tough place to to meet vendors because we're on an island, we're sort of separate from everyone. But in the morning, there was Doctor Nikolai from Mich Michigan State was giving a talk on rolling, mm. and I mean. It was, I put the eggs and the bacon on my thing. I was, you know, it was the night before and it was an early morning and, and I started hearing what he was saying and how people were skipping mows and, and rolling. And, and, and it was just enough information for me to be dangerous. And then, mm. you know, you fast forward to today and it's uh Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we haven't mowed a green yet. And we're in the yeah. 13s and the 14s on the stem, which with past palum maybe means 11 or 12 mm -hmm. on, you know, the normal feel. Like we don't even put 
that number on the sign or in a in the information sheet. You know, uh, it's purely for agronomics. When I used to say it's not an agronomic tool, the stint meter, you know, it'd be behind the door, kept the door open if you wanted a breeze. You know, I never really used it. So now it's part of that. The moisture meter is part of that. That's the uh, firmness meters. And all of these things are important for us to do on a daily basis, but just the act of doing them has made it better for us. So in a long kind of arduous explanation, um, you know, we are healthy on the top, basically what we get paid for. And, and that has allowed us to perform better which, you know, from the generation that I came from, that wasn't necessarily the way we were taught. It was lean them out, keep them dry. Um, and so I don't even worry about moisture content. I worry about moisture uniformity. Mm. I don't worry about whether I'm as firm as the guy down the street or the guy with Tiff Eagle. I worry about firmness uniformity because if I'm using that, those two things, then I've seen the results that uh, we're, we're healthy on top. And we used to with this grass. I mean, we used to mow it really low. Yeah. Um, and uh, because it's a dense grass, if you look at it through a macroscope or something along those lines, it looks like a forest. And you know you've mowed this thing, you know, the the, the width of a dime. And mm -hmm. you're thinking, how, how am I doing this? And, you know, the leaves and whatnot are all moving around and, and you're thinking this is this can't be good for 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 golf and 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 role and, and playability, and and now we're as high as we've ever been. We mow, we we skip hundreds of mows a year, mm -hmm. and uh, you know the roller is is our friend. When when I was a kid coming up, the roller was what created compaction. It's the reason we had to air five four times a year. It's the reason mm -hmm. we had to tear them up. And and uh, the more I do this, the more I find out, you know, a lot of things that I thought or what I thought or what I learned, you know, they don't translate here. I'm not saying yeah. that's everybody, but I do believe that. I I do believe that if you work on that box, like you said, if you work on whatever your definition of plant health is first, and I think your success rate goes up exponentially in our business. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it's, it's something we're hearing around the world, around the, the practices of mowing less, Increasing, um, you know, leaf leaf height or leaf length, um, making it a more healthy leaf means it's going to be more sustainable. Um, but certainly, um, you know, uh, uh, one of our other guests on the uh, a recent episode of the the Super Series, Paul Larson at Royal St George's, you know, once again a different grass type, um, but he's reached uh, reached his nirvana recently of, of leaf length and leaf height to uh, to speed which is exactly what you're which is what you're doing a different grass type in a different location in the world um and i so think he uh i listened to that and uh, and he he mentioned nikolai as well so mm, yeah. i mean this is something that you don't necessarily hear uh often and i wouldn't have never sought it out i just happened to be in the right place at the right time yeah but that's 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 the beauty of our business it's it's really uh interesting and people will call and check and mm. it's just a little unusual especially you know i'm i'm a director of agronomy there's golf course superintendents and it's our life to be thinking about what we're going to do next so guys that mm. work for me have to have no thought of that they don't 
we kind of know, but you know, when we were putting this together, you had no plan. If you were my mechanic, you didn't know if the reels had to be ready, if they had to be, yep. you know, and now we have tons and tons of data and we can get from point A to point B a lot quicker, mm. but we still do all of that stuff on a daily basis. And uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating to me. It's something that, you know, sometimes my, my brethren around here will be like, Oh no, here he goes again. He's going to start <laughs> talking about, it. but it's slowly, but surely I, I see a lot more people doing what Paul was doing. And, mm. uh, you know, and uh, I think you'll see that more and more often as we try to reduce our footprint, but still give everybody yep. a, a great surface to play on. And uh, some That's of right. that comes from, you know, reimagining, re-explaining what, what, what the experience needs to be. It's our point. It's important for us to have, you know, kind of control the narrative a little bit as well. That's right. And that, uh, that's great. It's been good here. It's good fun. We do uh, a, a Friday, Freaky Friday 15 stint party on okay. every Friday. There's a member game. And so some of the guys come down and, and we get them to the, show them the stint meter and, and make a bit of fun out of it and and that's it's it's all in good fun and and it allows my guys that may be spanish-speaking guys to to interact with the mm. the members which they don't always get a chance to do and and so uh i've seen a lot of good come of this really yeah. a lot of good yeah no, it's, it sounds very interesting as you say data is key these days and it's helping uh not only make uh, you make informed decisions, but I suppose also for you to be able to provide that information to uh, committees or owners or whatever the case may be around the course, but also sharing that information amongst uh, peers in the industry as well helps just to get that better education and understanding of what's going on out there and, and where people can then pick up uh, new practices to improve their own facility. Right. And it's moved into know approaches mm -hmm. because sometimes as we're coming on and off we are creating some mechanical stress um when we're not mowing so mm -hmm. we you know it becomes a smarter move and then past palum has uh especially in the fall and the spring uh, it has a lot of disease uh, pressure mm -hmm. um you know so if we're trying not to be creating mechanical stress between that interface between the green and and the collar we're, we're moving the roller out a little further you know we're also taking care of dollar spot so these are yep. all things that that uh and they make sense people understand it um it's just uh it's it's a cool thing and and we continue to learn you know today i i listened to a pod uh, a podcast or a uh um, from um, Micah Woods, who's uh, the Asian Turf Center. I hope I Dr. Micah Woods. But anyway, he puts he puts a lot of information out there. And I haven't done a soil sample in seven years because yep. I'm I'm a soil, I would consider myself a soil scientist, but I don't get paid for what's going on in there. And I've never done a good enough job fixing that. Mm -hmm. But if I keep my moisture right and I keep my firmness correct, then, uh, you know, I can look at clipping yield and I know that I need some inputs to to, to either slow it down or to move it yeah. up. And uh, we're trying. The greatest thing I ever learned was uh, who's your famous super, your famous greenskeeper at Royal Melbourne, Claude. Uh, uh, Claude Crawford. Was it Crawford? Claude Crawford, right. Yeah, so Crawford, yeah. I get to meet. Uh, you know, a childhood idol, Ben Crenshaw, and he's yep. the designer of this course that I'm doing. And he says, John, this is like the first time I meet him. We're standing in the dirt 
and we're looking down one fairway and he said, Royal Melbourne's my favorite place to play golf. And he said that the difference between, or Claude told him that the difference between uh, the Australian greenskeeper and the, and the, um, and the American superintendent is the, the Australian greenskeeper is trying to stop the grass from growing. And yep. the, the Americans always trying to grow grass. And, and, you know, it didn't mean a whole lot to me when Ben said it, but, you know, you knew it was something special to hear that. And then now I don't say it exactly like Mr. Crawford said it, but, you know, somebody says, well, I can grow grass. And I just nicely say, you know what? Grass grows itself. We probably yep. do more to screw it up. And that's my goal now is to, to, to take a little bit of that ego out, trust in numbers, and, and move on. But to go back to what I was starting to say was Michael Woods was talking about, you know, maybe looking at our clip volume, because that's something we do. We do uh, keep records on and your organic matter in the first two centimeters and seeing, you know, what, what grew in your soil versus what grew uh, in your buckets. And these are interesting things. And, and these are the types of things that make sense to me now, as opposed to, you know, this looks almost dead and it rolls great. And I'm the best superintendent I've ever been. You know, that's the kind of thing that that's the yeah. generation that I came from. It's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different approach now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I'll just touch back, back on what you're saying there around your um, uh, moisture uniformity. And I know you put out a tweet uh, a little while ago uh, um, and uh, I think tur at Turf Monkey Boy, if anybody hasn't following you on, on Twitter, there's some great stuff. You better, you better be following me. Yeah, exactly right. Um, <laughs> uh, 6,000 people are, so we've we got to get that number up a little bit higher as well. But you were talking about the moisture uniformity, you just touched on it there before, around moisture uniformity uh, equates then to your firmness and, and otherwise. And you also in the tweet touched on how you're using rolling to uh, manage that moisture uniformity. Can you just talk us, uh, touch on, on that for us? Yes, that was it. I mean, I didn't know you, you have to, you get the numbers and then you got to know how to get them there. Right. Mm -hmm. So I could run a machine. And like I said, I, I know that people use different uh, nomenclature for mowing, but we were mowing like in places where you weren't supposed to be mowing anything. Machines weren't even built for that. And we weren't getting where we needed to go. So the whole mm -hmm. thing, even though the first box we check now is plan health, which we define through, you know, uh, uniformity of moisture uh, more than anything else, and then uniformity of firmness. And mm -hmm. the only way to do that, and that, if I heard anything Nikolai was, Dr. Nikolai was saying that day was that your biology is better because your moisture uniformity is better when you roll. Yep. And then, you know, I became very into this whole thing. And then, you know, now it's down to uh, using, we use your roller, which, you know, it does a better job on the, on the firmness side. It's not giant. The footprint's different. Ergonomically, it's so much better for the end user operator to, to get around the golf course. And it does a lot less mechanical stress uh, on the ons and offs, the slippage, um, the maintenance of it all. So the basic, the I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't know how to get there until I started to roll. And I mean, we we would roll, come back on the same check, 
And, you know, so some of it was, was, was arduous and painstaking and people would be looking at me, you know, and maybe turning around and rolling their eyes. But over time, you know, we got it worked out. And yep. uh, if, if I had it golf's a game and it's a game that's played at certain times of the day, you only have sunlight at certain times. So if I had my druthers, I would, uh, I would always roll first thing in the morning and then dry mow if I could, but that doesn't, mm. that doesn't necessarily happen. But what it does do is we do, we pre-roll, which people don't even, mm. I don't think, think about yeah. and be able to do that and to get back around and, and come back and post-roll. Um, you know, I was working with a PGA guy at a course in, in Mexico and, you know, they had a tour event there and, He's like pre-roll. What, what, what's that? You know, so but it takes the moisture off, so it almost gives you that that dry mo vibe. And and if you go back to past Palom and the density and the erratic nature of of the of the the, the growth, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically you got a lot of leaf competing to get some sunlight, so it's growing in all kinds of different directions. You know, people say, well, it doesn't have any grain. You know, the the, the running joke here is uh, with my pro and and the members is they. They try to bring their buddies in and, and they know that I get upset when someone says these are really good past pound greens or these are the best past pound green because I don't understand that. Like, why wouldn't you just and nobody says this is the nicest Tefigo green. They just say these greens are great. You know, yep. this is the best whatever green. So for whatever reason, people will always give you that little jab in my mind because I'm a superintendent. Everything's a jab, not not that they don't care. But uh, so. The, this this summer, um, uh, what's his name? He went to the Live Tour, Irish guy, Graham McDowell came. Graham McDowell, but, yep. Yeah, so they and they pulled him over and he made a little video and they sent it to me. He's like, "These are the nicest uh, past pound greens, are, <laughs> you know." And that and they know that that kind of gets that gets under my skin, but it's become sort of a badge of courage that we can use the roller not only to to know that uniformly we're underneath. And the other thing yeah. was I got a chance to do a lot of grow ends, a lot of renovations. And I came from that, uh, that uh, generation that didn't want to water. Mm-hmm. We were deep and infrequent. We didn't do all these things. And now I got all this salt in my water and, and we have to be more wet than I would want to be. Mm-hmm. But the more I do the rolling and the more I understand that, and, and there's a guy who, Who's, who's a great superintendent close by here who's had a world uh you know a world event and he brought it up he put it into words what i was seeing which was if you're building the tea or you're building the green you don't build it dry right you mm-hmm. can't get to shaping you need to get it wet and you need to get it firmed up and you, that's how you shape things so i'm not as as tied up with um, more than 18 percent moisture you know it doesn't really matter but Whatever that number is, it's got to be over ninety percent uniform, and that's yep. how we that's what we we seek. And then, so if we're watering sometimes for dryness, but mainly to to create uh, a uniform surface. And it's not easy to do. And when you send it out, especially some of the tweets that I have, guys have the same tool that I use. They're like, there's no way you can do that, you know, because there's movement in the greens. How do you have a slope that's exactly the same? As, and mm. they don't want to hear it. And you probably love to hear it. It's the roller. That's mm. it. Uh, there's no magic yeah. in that. It's the roller. 
the ability to do it the certain way, to understand what you're trying to do below the surface. And that's as far as I go below the surface is uh, the roller. And then with the pre-roll, obviously we can create a drier, better mow if we have to mow. So uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I answered any of those questions. Well, John, thank you very much for your time today and joining us on the True Turf Super Series. It's been um, uh, you know, some great information to share. I hope maybe we can touch base again in the future and have another session uh, because it sounds like you're doing some really exciting stuff there at the Longboat Key Club. And uh, um, we've scratched the surface, I think, today, and there's probably some other things we might be able to discuss in a longer session another time. But uh, sure. um, we certainly appreciate what you're doing and use, the use of our product as well is great. And it sounds like it's having some really good outcomes for you uh, there. And uh, thank you again and, and look forward All to right, seeing, Super you, Nick. seeing you soon. Great, Super Nick. That's awesome. Good to meet <laughs> you and good to talk to you. Thanks, John.